Hello, you are listening to Practicing Gospel. I'm David Rayburn. It was at most only 100 years after the time of Jesus and the first generation of Christians that Christian thinkers recognized and acknowledged there were insights into how things work and into the truth of things from non-Christian voices. Matthew 5.45 says, For God makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends the rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. By extension, it was understood that God has spread wisdom and insight throughout human cultures. It has never been without controversy, but for as long as Christians have tried to articulate what they believe, they have done so utilizing voices outside of the Christian faith. The tradition of Greek philosophers, especially Plato and eventually Aristotle, have been the primary conversation partners with which Christians have engaged. There have been multiple reasons why Christians have been slow to engage voices from Asian cultures. One reason is the length of time Western cultures were separated by distance from Eastern cultures. Another was the arrogance of European imperialism. Another, however, has been the reluctance of Western cultures to be comfortable with dynamic worldviews. Seeking truth defined as unchanging and absolute, Western cultures have favored more static and stable perspectives. In orthodox formulations of Christianity, even God could not be dynamic, but was characterized as the unmoved mover. Eastern cultures have not had trouble with dynamic worldviews. Testimony to this has been the broad embrace of the dynamic interplay between the yin and the yang across Asia. Especially after the development of relativity and philosophies such as Alfred North Whitehead's process thinking, which introduced more dynamic views of reality, Western scholars have been more open to learning from Eastern philosophies. One such scholar is my guest today. Dr. Mark Mullinax. You've met Mark in episodes 10 and 11 of this podcast. Mark is professor of religion and philosophy at Mars Hill University in Mars Hill, North Carolina. He has written a new translation of the Tao Te Ching, and he is here to introduce us to the wisdom and value of the Tao for our everyday lives and faith. Well, welcome back, Mark. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for this chance to be with you. Thank you. So you have a new book that you have translated. Uh, tell us about this book. Well, this book is called Tao Te Ching, Power for the Peaceful. It's a book that I never thought that I would write, but I have been a student of, of Tao Te Ching for the last four decades when my history professor back at Mars Hill College handed me a copy and said, you should read this. And I found out that uh, the Tao Te Ching was pretty much interpreting me. At that time, it gave me some, some fascinating insights that I was not getting from my Christian spirituality. It's given me fascinating insights into how the world worked and my place in it. And through the years, it's been uh, an ever-ready resource to interpret me at 
various, sometimes crucial times in my life. And um, so uh, finally, about three years ago, I decided I would interpret it. I had, I had learned Chinese characters, the, the classical Chinese characters back when I was living in South Korea, when I was 23, 24 and 25. And I've kept those up. So it was a slow process to uh, interpret this, but uh, 81 chapters or 81 verses, about 5,000 Chinese characters. Um, and so I would get up every morning between four and seven for about a year and, uh, and work on this. And, uh, and then last May, uh, Fortress Press was, got very interested in it and I was ecstatic. And I haven't stopped pinching myself yet. <laughs> well, how how did um, um, you kind of develop uh, a more fuller interest uh, in in um, wanting to bring this to the public? Great question. Um, in my coursework at at Marshall University. I have a regular rotation in which I teach East Asian wisdom traditions, Confucianism, Taoism, and uh, the Buddhist versions that come in to, from China into Korea. So I teach these, and um, and I've never been really happy with uh, with some of the translations. Uh, one translation will have to serve, but it's hard to get one translation saying everything that I wanted to say to my students. Um, and then when I realized that the main translation I was uh, using in class was not even a translation at all, it was an interpretation. So uh, I said, let's do better. And so the impetus to get this published was to, uh, to do something for my students. And so I think I've got something that, that 18 year old, 19 year old streetwise teenagers will understand, but also those who have read the Tao all their lives will, will get something from this. And so, so I've, I've tried to make it accessible. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you've, you've achieved that. Uh, it's, it's very readable. Thank you. Uh, you know, not at all something that sounds philosophical. And so, uh, I think you've, you've done a good job in, uh, making it something that anyone can read yeah. and enjoy reading. One thing that I don't think that anybody has ever done is uh, after each of the 81 verses, I've put anywhere from three to six or seven voices, um, historical voices, wisdom voices, pop culture voices, um, literature voices, of people who have tried to say the same thing. So I've got Pink Floyd in there. I've got Margaret Atwood, Bob Dylan, uh, Buddhist philosophy, but to try to make some of the places in the Tao Te Ching that are so incomprehensible when interpreted in English, to try to make it more accessible to first timers, especially in, in the English speaking world. Well, I, th and I, th I think that's consistent with uh, if if the Tao is uh, about everything, yeah. as you say, then it will have expressed 
itself beyond its Chinese <laughs> origins and content. Let us cross our fingers on that. Yes. And and uh, so yeah, I, 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 I'm, I appreciate that dimension. I think it's a very creative dimension, very helpful dimension uh, about that. So tell us what in 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 contrast to Confucianism and, and Buddhism, what is uh, Tao? Um, Confucianism, which I love to teach also, Confucianism is about human nature, human society, how to act as a good and moral human uh, in relationship to elders, the state, family. And so it's, 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 a, it's a kind of, um, you know, state ordering, uh, social ordering uh, philosophy. And where Taoism, which came up at about the same time, uh, is radically different because in, in Taoism, they want to look at nature itself, not human nature, but how to live as that particle, that part of nature itself. Uh, before you get to a Confucian understanding of how you live in society, there's a prior reality a prior state of being that we are naturally part of and so we need to understand that part and find our balance and our flow and that previous that prior um reality the the Tao Te Ching is sort of like a theory of everything before there were theories of everything and uh so uh by Understanding oneself as part of that Tao, one can help prevent egotism, competition, uh, envy, violence, strife. And by practicing these things, one can then live wisely in step with the world instead of out of step with, the, with creation. Well, you suggest that um, a lot of it's historic use has been political and that you are are steering it in a different direction and in, in helping folks to say no this is something that i can use in my life in a daily way yes it has been understood by many as uh as written for the leader and when most people think of the leader they're probably going to be thinking of the emperor or the king or the prince and so it may have been seen at one time or by some people as a an, um, a very hierarchical classist kind of thing but in the if you, when you look at the Chinese it's not just for the leader it's for the wise person and that can be anybody uh, because we're all in this creation together king to pulper and there's no there's no hierarchy in Taoism it's all an interconnected web and if you pluck one part of the web, then there's going to be sympathetic vibrations on another part of the web. So the leader has to understand, just like the pauper has to understand, or the average person, that anything they do has implications uh, for everyone else. Because everything is so interconnected and, and, and inter, interwoven with each other. Thich Nhat Hanh calls this kind of thing interbeing, that we're that our being is is inside and with and accompanying all other being, 
And Tao Te Ching understands this and tries to teach that prior nature of human beings before we get to human beings in society. What is it they were actually originally are in our factory-made, factory-installed selves? You contrast it uh, pretty significantly with Western yeah. ways of thinking, and, and I guess particularly uh, dualisms. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that the the Tao kind of transcends those dualisms. So explain that a little bit. Uh, well, transcends. Well, you're right. Um, it does transcend. We in the West are very invested in a dualistic understanding of the world. Plato helped uh, get us started on that. Our religions, uh, say Christianity are very invested in that because religion is was developed against a backdrop of Greek philosophy. So, so with Plato being a, a dualist, Christianity has started this dualistic path. Um, it's in our DNA. But in, in a dualism, there's a side that opposes another. There's a this and a that, an up and a high, a cold and a hot. And, uh, but usually the, when we see these dualisms, they are about the powers of society. Um, and in these dualisms, these forces are pitted against each other. And one side has to win. God has to win over the devil. Um, Heaven has to win over hell. Um, and there's these, these cosmic fights that are portrayed to us uh, to portray how this dualism actually works. Um, so, so, so Taoism is different. Instead of dualism, it's a monism. Everything is of one substance. Uh, you are Tao. I am Tao. We are part of the Tao. Um, there's no difference between what you are and what the most quote holy thing there is or special thing there is in the universe so uh Taoism will show you that your part of the universe is is part of the entire universe you're just not playing your little role over here but what you do affects everything but then there's the uh yin and yang Yes, yin and yang, uh, or yang, uh, is depicted as a kind of dualism. Um, and if you can picture that uh, yin and yang symbol, you've got a bright part or a light part with a darker part in it. And then you've got a darker part with a light part in it. So these are complements, C-O-M-P-L-E, complements to each other. They're not fighting each other but they are uh, holding each other in tension. And uh, Carl Jung took this idea as a critical central part of his, his, his whole psychology, that the human being uh, is composed of all these parts that interweave with each other. We're not supposed to be walking civil wars, but we're supposed to get in touch with and understand and figure out how our male part relates to our female part. Our uh, 
so-called good part relates to our bad part. But it's not like one has to win. They have to understand each other and handshake with each other in order to say, we're all part of this. Let's stop fighting. Uh, let's stop separating ourselves into these false dualisms um, because we'll never get anywhere. We'll never find what it is we're supposed to be doing as long as we're fighting within ourselves. So the yin-yang symbol is a, is a visual reminder that it's not dual, but it's complement, complementary. Uh, these, these forces that seem in our worldview, in the Western worldview, as, as fighting and opposing. Taoism doesn't say that at all. They are, they are necessary, mutually arising forces that depend upon each other. I like your um, image of a dance. Yeah, yeah. Two yeah. folks uh, dancing together, but still yeah. Yeah. kind of pushing and pulling against each other as a result of the dance. But, oh, yeah, yeah. And, but, but, but in that dance, there's going to be the best the balance that you have. That's the balance of Tao. And, and one of the key words about Tao is that it, it, it leads one to balance or peace. Well, that's, a, that, you know, that's the subtitle of your... Uh, uh, of your book is, is power for the peaceful. Yeah. Yeah. How that dimension particularly comes into this. Thank you. Um, that's a very intentional subtitle. Um, how is Tao power for the peaceful? Two ways. One is interior climate control that, uh, to walk into a room and realize that your number one job is not to force your character on that, that room or to be the number one ego or loud mouth in the room, but to breathe with every force, power, person, animal, plant in the room. That to recognize that one is already connected and you don't have to force anything. So that's, that's peace right there, to realize that you don't have to prove yourself or do anything that, that makes your ego bigger, greater. It, it's, that's just... Uh, you know, as a false ladder to stand on. Um, but there's another part of this that I'm emphasizing. And because Tao is original peace, okay, that before humans got to, got to muck things up, before there was anything that might have interfered with the Tao, it was original peace. So I'm using and trying to understand and then also trying to show how Taoism is power for those who dedicate themselves to a life of peace. If original peace means no war, then that's the power to peace. If original peace means uh, no huge differences between the high and the low or the rich and the poor, that is a force to, to, to use to bring about better balance. Um, racism. That's not built in. That's not factory installed in the uh, original plan of things. The separation of races, separation of religion, separation of, of you know, colors. These are, these are false. And so by training people to see themselves as already at peace, they can then say, well, the world is already at peace. Let's then work to bring that peace back. And uh, that's, that's the power for peace. It's a social justice-related peace on the outside. Interior, it's inter interior climate control. But outside, 
in the you know when you take Tao to the streets or to the boardroom or to the classroom, there you can you can demonstrate that that there is no hierarchy, there's no need to fight, there's no need to uh, be antagonistic or to get your ego all in a snit. It's it's, it's all that uh, the Tao is already there and everything is is as it should be. Well, the your reference to uh, uh, kind of original piece, yeah, original justice, um, has overtones for for us that grew up in the Christian tradition of the fall. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Uh, nothing has fallen; it's always been there. Uh, Dow would not, and in, in, in because Dow would not understand original sin of course Tao is not a person so that i'm anthropomorphizing Tao. Right. but uh you also have to realize for those in the west who need a god Tao is not your god Tao does not love you um so well one of the things that you talked about um in our last interview yeah uh was the importance for you of of worldviews yes yeah and um, so how does this play into that interest of yours? How does, how does Taoism? Well, uh, in the introduction, I spend several pages just on this one thing on, on worldview. Um, I, I, I am quite tired of straining in this dualistic worldview that the United States is beholden to and that my faith in which I'm ordained into Christianity is beholden to. It just makes me tired to, to always one up or figure out power plays. Uh, and so Taoism by being a monist understanding in which there is no hierarchy, but it's a, it's a level, a leveling uh, connection and interconnection with all that there is. There's no need for this this violence. There's no need for uh, one-upmanship or one-up womanship. There's no need for uh, competition. And this in itself is peace. And the Tao, the person who practices Tao can bring that to almost any given situation and be a diffuser and be a, uh, because they're wise enough to see the consequences of how small and how little ego does, or how short-sighted violence is. And so I, I love the, the, the monist worldview instead of the dualist worldview. Hard, it's hard to get rid of the dualist worldview, for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, because going back to the question about the fall kind of thing, I mean, yeah. the fact that uh, we somehow lost sight of Tao yeah. suggests uh, a break somehow. Yeah, but you don't need a savior to get you back into it. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense? In, yeah. in Christianity, uh, you you need a an intervention from God, from another dimension, which is dualistic in itself. Um, you need this intervention. And I get that. But in Tao, you don't need this intervention. You just need to reconnect with what's already there. You don't need uh, an intervener. You don't need a, uh, a savior. Uh, one just needs to, 
as I as I'm now place, putting it, just enter the room or new place and just start breathing with that place and realizing. And this is going to sound new age and I hate new age, but to realize the unity that's already there, that's already resident there. Um, it doesn't need manipulation. Your, manip your manipulation of it will not improve things. Well, kind of related to your your perspective on worldview. Yes. Um, you have a goal uh, that you say, uh, let me see if I can get this right. Uh, I will try to persuade the reader, mm -hmm. follow Dow, makes one a misfit. Yeah. Or yeah. consciously countercultural. Yeah. In order to expose anti Dow unjust processes and to replace them with wiser and more just narratives. Yeah. The misfit. Um, we've all known misfits. Uh, people who were pointing another direction besides the, besides the cultural direction. Uh, the Joan of Arcs, the Jesuses, um, the Martin Luther Kings, the people who had a wiser, larger view of the way that things were going at that time. And so they were misfits. They saw a different vision. They heard different voices. They uh, conceived of society going much different ways. And so they put their bodies on the line. They put their their thought to it. They put their bodies to it. They put, you know, their entire being into, into another reality than some dualistic uh, failed enterprise or soon failed enterprise. Uh, so a misfit is someone who consciously goes against the grain of the way things are. And all you need to do is look at society today and says, things are not going the way they should be going. Uh, I mean, we can start with Black Lives Matter and racism. We can go to disparities in, in health care, wealth. Um, you know, we can, we can do all this kind of stuff. But the, but the misfit is going to be that person, that prophetic voice that says, no, you can't do it that way any longer. Now, they may not force things, but they'll just start living their life quietly and maybe gathering a few people among, among them until it becomes a larger movement. But the misfit is going to be like water. And I, I love the Tao's several emphases on water. What would water do? Water gets through the cracks. You know, that Leonard Cohen song, the, the, the light that comes through the cracks, that's where the, how the light gets in. Uh, this, is, this is the Taoist understanding of water, that water goes into the cracks of society and, first of all, bathes it, showers it, cleanses it. And then over the long years, it wears down that rock of oppression. It wears down the, the hard places that we have built up. And that's what Tao is like. It is not an overnight fix. And we did not get into our fixes overnight. But Tao is like water. Uh, and the misfit understands this and they put themselves into a bad situation or an undow situation 
And just by living there, conversing with people there, they bring change ever so slowly. But the Titanic can be turned from the iceberg. That is the faith of a Taoist. All right. Well, and, and seemingly a part of that, you mentioned uh, the, the, especially the practice of Wu Wei. Am I saying yeah. that accurately? Yeah. Practice, yeah, the practice of Wu Wei or Wu Wei. Um, in Chinese, it literally means not doing. Uh, and some people stop at that, but uh, I think it needs to be understood much differently. Uh, Non-interference would be a better way. And in other words, don't mess with things. The universe is already presented as perfected. You're interfering, you're messing with it, you're getting your fingers into the, into the pie is not going to help things. So Wu Wei is that wise understanding that uh, that your ego-assisted action is not going to help a thing. Instead, work with forces that have already been there for thousands and thousands of years. Uh, work with maybe others to bring about creative change. This is this is Wu Wei. Uh, the best way I know there are several examples of Wu Wei, and one is if you've ever been a sailor, you know that. If you have a direct headwind and you need to go somewhere and you have a direct headwind, there's no way you can get there unless you practice a kind of a wu wei, which is to tack 45 degrees left then 45 degrees right and 45 degrees left and back again, back again, and then you are uh, at your destination. That's wu wei. Another example is the uh, ever had a sticky lock and you have a key. And if you force the key, what happens? the key will break off into the lock and you now have a, you can't get inside your house. The idea of Wu Wei is you just jiggle it a little bit, just jiggle just a little bit and find that sweet spot in the key, the keyhole, and then you can unlock it. So that's another example. A third example is uh, something most of us do every day, every day we drive. And when I say Wu Wei and driving, it's not just zoning out, and all of a sudden you're there. That's not it at all. It is that driving in which you do not turn until the curve or the corner. If you if you anticipate correctly, you're going to drive safely. But to practice non-wu-way driving, you're going to say, I think I'm going to go take a right hand, right hand turn right here, and you turn to somebody's yard or you hit somebody. That's uh, so taking your turns, your curves while driving at the right time and not too late and not too early. That's the way that we already practice. It's, hmm. it's, it's action that is tuned to the time. Um, it's not no action, but it's that correct action tuned to the time and place. You speak of uh, the importance of Tao in bringing out the uh, feminine dimension, uh, but that you also kind of break ranks with uh, your interpretation of uh, the yin-yang uh, and making it male active and female inactive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, typically, Yang has been seen as powerful, forceful, 
male, uh, hot, and yin has been seen as the opposites, uh, cool, feminine, things like that. And, and Joyce Holiday, who has been so instrumental in being one of the readers of this book, pointed out to me that uh, in an early edition that by including the female with the yin sort of lowers her or demotes her as, as a weak figure. And in Tao, it is, the female is not weak. Uh, let's start with verse number six, in which talks about that valley spirit. And, if, and I need the, the listener to understand the valley as a kind of fem, feminine image or a cave as a kind of feminine image, a womb from which everything is born. And so the, the Tao is this empty place, a womb, a cave, a dark mystery. But out of that comes every, everything. Okay. And so, so that's the creative force. It's the most feminine, friendly, feminine-based wisdom tradition in the world. And uh, we in the West have overshadowed the feminine uh, voices in our traditions, uh, but not Taoism. And uh, so, and so, there is no in Chinese there is no uh, actual signifiers for he and she. And so, most interpreters in English use the he masculine pronoun all the way through. And I've alternated um, that to to demonstrate how. Feminine is just as important as, as the male part in, in this Tao Te Ching. Um, so connect this more fully with your faith. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and also, um, I guess, did you talk about um, that the um, missionaries who sought to translate uh, Christian scripture, yeah. Chinese, actually used Tao as the translation of logos. That's right. Yeah. And the beginning was the uh, John 1, 1, and the beginning was the Tao instead of the logos, the word, which is sort of funny because uh, if you look at verse one of Tao Te Ching, uh, you cannot uh, put a word on Tao. You cannot in word it. It, it, it defies uh, phrasing, but, uh, but the, the, early British and American missionaries in China, in order to make the gospel of Jesus Christ most palatable, they wanted to use something that would resonate with the Chinese. And so they used the word Tao as, as the word. And the way that the book of John understands words, it's pre-existence, it's always been there, it's a creative force. And so it, it does have some resonance with, uh, with Jesus as the word. Uh, so, so that's, that's the, that's the connection there. Well, is it still done that way? I mean, by, by Chinese Christians who have a yes. better knowledge yes. of the, of the language, they still, they still do. They still, and, and Tao means the way. And in John fourteen six, it also uses Tao. Uh, when Jesus is quoted saying, I am the way it's, I am the Tao. Okay. Right. Uh, the truth and the, and the life. So, um, so yeah. Um, now, for my own faith, 
um, yes, I'm an ordained American Baptist minister, and yet uh, I find resonance in this Tao Te Ching that is, you know, way deeper, but also more enhancing of what I understand already about Christianity. If I can get to a place where Christianity is not dualist, and it's easy enough, Richard Rohr is also doing that these days, if anybody wants to read some of him. But if we can get to a place where we don't understand Christianity in dualist ways, and Tao is right there, it emphasizes servant leadership, it emphasizes um, care, compassion, uh, and it, so these things are, are quite resonant with, uh, with Sermon on the Mount. Um, so so I, I hope that that becomes more obvious, obvious as through my book. Okay. Well, give us examples of how this is practiced. I mean, you gave us some about, you know, the ship and the things, but I mean, as far as me or you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, you talk about it as a practice. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of people who practice Tao would also be very interested in, in Buddhism. And so meditation mindfulness practices are very much part of of taoism um taoism is uh also the genesis of what we understand now as chinese medicine uh acupuncture acupressure um you know you may have seen or you can google the images of the body maps according to chinese med medicine and there's these pressure points and that's very Taoistic, that there, is, there are energies that can be tapped into by the use of these needles for healing, for pain relief. Um, so that's, that's part of it. Uh, if I were a good practicing Taoist in China, I'd be eating certain foods in order to prolong my life uh, to the most indefinite state that I can. Um, immortality has always been one of the abiding themes of Taoism. So these are things. Um, for those interested in movement, the, the martial arts are the expression. Taekwondo, Judo, um, the Do is Dao. Uh, that's, that's how it's pronounced uh, in, uh, in, the, in these uh, martial arts. So Aikido, Judo, Taekwondo, uh, the dough is Tao. And so that's the a way to do it. And it's a way of merging yourself with the forces already in the room, especially judo, um, which translates uh, into the soft or the gentle way in which if an, an opponent comes to you, at you, you do not meet them with your own force, but you help them merge their energy into yours to deflect them. So, so it's, uh, there's lots of applications of Taoist uh, from medicine to, to uh, movements, um, martial arts, and, and uh, so. What about like with your students? How do you, how do you teach your students? Uh, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> with students, they're mainly interested in stress. And so usually I do Taoism at the very 
last third of the semester when people are most stressed. And so, um, and, and that's when I say this can be good uh, interior climate control for you guys to, to realize that there's nothing you really have to do to be who you are. You don't have to be a com competitor. Uh, you can let all these false and very short-sighted ways of trying to achieve things pass by. Uh, and then you, you can focus on what your life should be like. You don't, you don't need to do the, do the usual thing. You can. So I teach them in a kind of gentle way how to be misfits on a college campus. What about when you were uh, chair? Uh, I was faculty chair at Mars Hill for three years. And the first semester that I was faculty chair, I started translating this as my spiritual practice. And um, it got me through those three years. It did. Uh, but like in a meeting, is, you know, is, that, is it applicable to when you meet with folks? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there can be contentious people in the meeting, but uh, you don't respond to things. And, you know, if someone comes at you with something crazy, you just let it lie there and everybody thinks, oh, that was crazy. And but it, so it, it's, a, it's a way of learning when to act and learning how not to act. But it was, it was very helpful as the, in, in meetings, understanding power. But most of all, it taught me uh, much more than, uh, than Christianity has about servant leadership. That uh, you tend to the greater good first. You tend to the greater whole first. Uh, my ego can take care of itself. Thank you very much. <laughs> and whenever I let the ego out, it always gets me in trouble. Can I get a witness? <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. So, so keeping the ego under uh, under control um, has always been good. It's and it saved me a ton of trouble, a ton of trouble. So, this is this is good spiritual practice to translate this, because then the three hours that I'd be translating in the morning, it would just last for the day, and uh, it, it was really helpful. Well, I can't help. But ask. Sure. Is practicing Tao like practicing gospel? You could actually say that, I think. It depends on what you mean by gospel. I think knowing you, I think what you mean by, I think I know what you mean by gospel, and that is uh, the Matthew 25, verses 31 to 46, sheep and the goats parable, to practice compassion, loving kindness towards others. Um, loving God, but also loving neighbors at the same time. I think this is this is very much in sympathy with with uh, what Tao teaches. You're going to be doing weekly podcasts for how long? And and these will be available on YouTube, correct? They will. I start a new uh, YouTube channel today. Um, and I can get that to you so you can put that in your show notes. Um, but uh, I'll be about once a week, I'll be posting a what I'm going to call a Tao talk. The first one will be is who, what, when, where, how is Tao? We'll just be going through the basics. Um, I'll be speaking at uh, Jubilee soon and uh, a Unitarian fellowship nearby. During April, so for Earth Day, I'm going to be doing a, 
a sermon on or a, a talk on creation, spirituality, and the Tao. Um, I'm a Lord of the Rings lover, and so I've got uh, a, a mini lecture planned for how Tom Bombadil is the is the wisest Taoist sage ever. Uh, so I can see that. But I have about 25, 30 uh, mini talks planned. And I know that as I go through them, there's going to be so many more. And then people write in, well, what about this? And what about that? And so uh, I can easily see a year, two years, three years of this going on uh, a week at a time. Well, that sounds exciting. And it's uh, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. But because, you know, I'm a Baptist, grew up a Baptist. So I have this missionary zeal still within me that there's something here within the Tao that is yet to be heard. It's within us, but we need to be called back to our senses by Dow's sensibility. By the time that I post this on March 29, which is this coming Monday, um, this will be out. It is already out. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that they can go on Amazon. Yeah. And, they then go to the Fortress website uh, and Amazon website. The prices there are the same. Um, but uh, yes. All right. Yeah. Well, I am thankful uh, for all of your long and diligent and important effort in bringing this about. Uh, I'm thankful for your creativity. We didn't talk about your own notes and reflections a lot, but uh, I found those especially helpful. Uh, and I think your audience will as well. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, those notes of reflections just talk about the Chinese text and some of the themes in it, but also where I just say, no, by following this verse, it can bring you to this place or that place. And it makes it it makes it more accessible. I hope so. Know. I really hope so. Well, Mark, thank you for being with me. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for your work. Okay. You are listening to Practicing Gospel. I'm David Rayburn. The music for this episode comes from a clip of a song called Father Let Your Kingdom Come that is on the Porter's Gate Worship Project Work Songs album and used by permission by the Porter's Gate Work Project. You can purchase the album and learn more about the Worship Project by going to the website theportersgate.com. This show has as its purpose enabling you to hear the voices of the Christian left and about the issues and concerns that are of interest to the Christian left. Practicing Gospel Inc. is a nonprofit organization. If you like what you've heard, go to my website at practicing-gospel.blubrry.net to subscribe and hopefully to donate. Your participation will help me continue this effort. Thank you for listening and for your support. Blessings. May the words from my mouth speak your peace. May the words from my mouth